are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Hello. Um, so in my notes, I wrote, introduce myself. The pastor Sam already did that. And then I wrote pray, and I just did that too. So... Um, <clears throat> So when I was trying to prepare for what I wanted to talk about today, um, I thought of like a topic, and then I was like trying to like study it, like Google stuff, and then read, you know, like the scripture, try to go deeper in it, but it just like wasn't working. So I was just like, you know, I'll just talk about what God's taking me through, like right now. Um, but yeah, so currently he's, and also my voice might crack because I was worshiping. But anyway, so. Currently, he's, show, he's just showing me, like, um, process and, like, connection. And by process, I mean, like, kind of like the waiting time. Um, like, you know you're not where you're supposed to be, but you're supposed to be there right now. That makes sense. Um, so currently, I'm working at uh, Paris Baguette, um, doing HR there. And uh, it's, like, the best, like, case scenario that I could have gotten because I'm not that good at Korean, but then my team, they just happened to have like two um, Hispanic girls. So like we only speak English there. So I got really lucky. But then um, even though I had like all these great conditions, like I just feel like that's not where I'm supposed to be. Um, I just feel like HR, like as great as it is, like I don't really care about it. So, um, but I just feel like God has called me there. So it's, it feels like the process time right now. Um, and the second thing he showed me is connection just kind of showing me that just how important it is to stay connected to him throughout this time. Um, and also when I like wrote this and then I practiced like the first time, it was like 15 minutes. So I was like, oh shoot. But then like I went, I tried it again today and then it was like 40 minutes. So I don't know how long it's going to be. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so life is a process. Um, and in this, you know, process of life, there's all these like little processes in between. And those times can be like the most confusing, like excruciating and painful, and sometimes even boring. And it may just look like purposeless. It's just like, like why am I here? Um, unless we stay connected with God. So there's this, uh, there's this conference I went to, and I met um, this pastor. His name is Dr. Rob Reamer. He always says this phrase, one day longer than a lifetime. So that's just kind of like the process of life. Like, you know, we're not going to be perfect until one day longer than a lifetime when we see Jesus face to face. Um, but until then, God's going to just take us through the process. So I want to talk about like the story of Joseph today. So you could turn to Genesis 37. I didn't realize how long like the story of Joseph is. It's like 13 chapters, so I'm not going to read all that. But I'm just going to highlight a few verses as we go. Um, so to start off, when Joseph is 17, um, he has two dreams. And in both dreams, you know, it's like his family bowing down to him. And you could already tell, I guess, like the maturity level of Joseph at this time, because he just goes ahead and tells his brothers, like, hey, like, I just had a dream, and you guys are going to bow down to me. And then they get mad. And then the next day, he's like, hey, I just had another dream. You guys are going to bow down to me. And so that's the kind of guy that Joseph is at this point. And... If it was me, I'd probably do the same too. Like, like if I had dreams from God and I knew it was from God, I was like, oh my God, like God talks to me. Like, 
I think I'm like already mature. I think I've arrived already and I'm just ready um, to be in charge. I'm ready for people to bow down to me, whatever it is. Um, But what happens next is like something he definitely didn't expect. So his dad tells him like, hey, go find your brothers. And then he's looking for his brothers. He sees them. And then while um, he's approaching them, his brothers are like, hey, like, let's do something to Joseph to like get back him. And then, like, one brother's like, oh, I have an idea. It's like, let's kill him. And the other brother's like, okay, it's, like, that sounds great. And it's just like, I guess, like, Old Testament people were crazy back then. But <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is he approaches them, and they grab him, and then they put him in a pit. Um, and it doesn't really explain it in this chapter. It just seems like he just kind of went in the pit, and he was just quiet. But it says in Genesis 42 that Joseph was distressed and begging and pleading for his life at that time. So sometimes when we're in the process, it feels like we're in a pit. It feels like it's the most painful, distressing time, and it feels like God's not moving. You know, we're praying like, God, like, deliver me. Like, you're the deliverer. Like, deliver me from this pain, and he's not delivering you. And you're, you're just wondering, like, God, like, if you're so good, if your characteristic is good, like, if you're good all the time, like, why aren't you delivering me? And, you know, I I like to say that God is never acting out of character. That in those moments that he's not being the deliverer, that he's being the redeemer. So no matter where we're at, if it feels like God's not delivering us, I mean, there are times where it takes a little bit to get to breakthrough, but I just believe that he can take any purpose, any process, and just give it purpose. Um, So while he's in a pit, Things get worse. Like he gets sold to merchants that are by that are like just coming by. And sometimes when we're in a pit, and when we're in the most painful, <laughs> most painful time of our lives, like it gets worse. Um, I'm sure like a lot of us have experienced that before. And but that's not the end. Um, so he ends up being a servant in Potiphar's house, um, and this is pretty much the opposite of what he dreamed about. Like, he, he dreamed that he was in charge, that people were bowing down to him, but now he's a servant. And so in Genesis 39, verses 2 to 6, it says something interesting. Um, the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a success, successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer, over his house, and all that he owned, he put it, he put in his charge. It came about that t- that from the time he made him overseer in his house and over all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus, the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge, and with him there he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. So even when he sold, and he's a servant, he's a slave, God was with him. And through that connection, I mean, this doesn't always happen this way, but sometimes if you're connected to God, he makes you successful. So if you guys feel like, you know, I'm growing, um, like more success, more wealth, you know, prosperity, all that stuff. I'm not preaching prosperity gospel, but, <laughs> but that's not a sign that you're, that you're going the wrong way. Like sometimes if you stay connected with God, like he blesses you with that. So we don't have to feel guilty about it. Um, 
But even when life doesn't look like God is with you, like clearly from here, he's with you. Um, so at this point, you know, he's, he's on top again. And he's like, oh, I finally made it. Like, this is the dream. Like, I'm finally in charge. And, you know, this is it. Like, this is what I've been waiting for all my life. But one day he goes to work, and then there's no one there except for Potiphar's wife. Um, she tempts him, and his response is really interesting. In Genesis 39, verses 8 to 10, I mean, 8 to 9. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. And he has put all that he owns in charge, in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I. And he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? So he explains how Potiphar put him in charge of everything. And at the end of everything, he recognized which connection he had to protect most. And it wasn't with Potiphar, it was with God. Wow. So... When we fight for relationship and connection with others, um, we have to realize that relationship with God is what drives that. To protect our relationship with others, we have to protect our relationship with God. Um, so what happens next is she grabs his garment and he runs away. She frames him and then he gets put into prison. So he just made it to the top. And then now he's in an even lower place than the pit he was in before. At least when he was in his pit, like there, there was family around him. But now he's in prison. In <clears throat> Genesis 39, 21 to 23, another interesting thing. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. So he's in his low point again. And it's so clear and evident again that God is still with him. That God didn't just let him prosper and stay with him when he was on top. But even when he's down again, that God is still with him. So Joseph stayed faithful knowing God was with him and he prospered in prison. He prospered in prison. It just doesn't make sense. But with God, you can prosper in prison. That's the kind of God that that we have. And um, while he was there, um, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker of the Pharaoh, they were sent to prison. And it says here that they had dreams. So in Genesis 40, verses 6 to 8, it says, When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, They were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? Then they said to him, we have had a dream and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Uh, Tell it to me, please. And I don't know when it happened, but you can clearly see his development and his character here. Um, It's not explained, but... He sees people in prison, and he asks them, like, why are you sad? And it's just like, what? Like, you're, I'm in prison. Like, But he, he can notice, you know, sadness in these people's faces, and he cares enough to ask. Like, this is the same Joseph that 
after he told his brothers that, you know, they're going to bow down to him and then they got pissed at him, like, he just did it again the next day. <laughs> this is the same Joseph. And you can see um, just the development of just who he is. Um, and this is something we can relate to because a lot of times in life, I guess, if, you've, if you guys have ever gone through like a tough time and then you kind of think about it right now and look back at it, like you realize how much you matured from it. And that's, that's just one of the ways that God redeems and God gives purpose to that tough process that we have. Um, and I feel like Joseph here, he understood his relationship with God really well. But he understood that his connection to God gave him access to what God has. It says in verse, um, verse 8, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. So he didn't say, like, do not interpretations belong to God. Go talk to God about it. But he realized his connection with God, and he realized that he could get the interpretation from God himself. And so we have access to what God has. Interpretations, prophetic words, visions, resources. God gave us access. We don't have to ask for, like, open heaven because it's already open for us. And all we have to do is just ask. So he was showing us a glimpse of just what sonship looks like. And um, So long story short, the chief baker was going to die, and the chief cupbearer was going to be restored. And after, you know, Joseph saw that he was, he was going to be restored, he tells him, like, hey, like, remember me. Um, remember that I did this for you, and then tell Pharaoh to get me out of here because I'm not supposed to be here. So three days later, Things happen exactly the way that he interpreted. And then Chief Cupbearer gets restored, but he doesn't, he doesn't remember him. And this is kind of like the times where, you know, we finally see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, we're in this mess, like all these ups and downs, and then finally we're like, oh, finally, there's, there's going to be breakthrough really soon. But then it just feels like we're forgotten. It just feels like we're left behind. And two, for two years, he was forgotten. And I feel like two years is a long time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but don't be discouraged because if you don't find the end yet, it's still not over. So just keep your eyes on the light and keep walking. So Psalm 23, I'm just going to read for us real quick. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So you can lie down in green pastures, but don't lie down in the valley of the shadow of death. you got to keep your eyes on the light and keep walking. But yeah, so at that point, two years later, Pharaoh had a dream that, you know, that no one was able to interpret. And then finally the cupbearer is like, oh, shoot, this sounds like really familiar. And then he's just like, oh, wait, I know a guy. I met this guy in prison. Like, and then, so he tells him like, about Joseph. The Pharaoh's like, all right, get him to me. Um, he tells him this dream. And long story short, again, he interpreted it. And then Pharaoh put him in charge of Egypt. And he was finally at the highest place that he could have he could have been at. Um, this was higher than uh, when he had the dreams about his family. This was higher than 
when he was in charge of Potiphar's house, but this, now he's in charge of Egypt. And as you can see, again, in Joseph's life, that God is with us in every high and every, and every low. But the purpose of his process, it didn't end here. Um, so just as he, as he interpreted, there was a famine in all the lands, including where his family lived. So his family found out that there's food in Egypt, and they send their brothers to go and find food for them and bring some back. So when they got there, um, Joseph sees them, and then he immediately recognizes them. But they don't recognize him. So they go through this whole thing back and forth where Joseph is like, hey, like, um, leave your brothers here. Like, go back there, bring someone here, and then go to prison, all that stuff. So that happens, and sorry, long story short, again, his family moves in, everyone's reunited, and then he's able to, uh, he's able to feed his family and save them from this famine. So towards the end, um, Jacob dies, and his brothers get worried that, because of his father's death, that Joseph will hold a grudge against them. Because they remembered what they did to him. They remembered that, I guess they didn't ask for forgiveness or whatever it was, but they expressed it to him. And he says this in Genesis 50, verses 19 to 20. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So the first thing here is his brothers are still stuck in guilt from their sin. And I just want to say for anyone here, if we are stuck in guilt because we sin against a brother or sister, or even ourselves, or we feel like we sinned against God, that we're forgiven. That we don't have to be stuck in sin. We don't have to be afraid of punishment, but that we're forgiven. Um, no matter how damaging they were. I'm sure it wasn't as damaging as what his brothers did to Joseph. So I'm, I'm sure that you're forgiven. And God is huge. <laughs> He's so much bigger than, you know, how destructive you feel like your hands are. He's so much bigger than us. And Joseph's process didn't end until his death. So even until death, when he was able to be face-to-face with God, that's when his process ended. That's when he reached perfection. Like just like Dr. Robin said, one day longer than a lifetime. And we hear the phrase from glory to glory like all the time. And Joseph's his life is such a great depiction of glory to glory. Um, I'll just read that verse. For, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord the Spirit. So in his life, he starts off from glory, where he's supposed to be at the top of his family, you know, his dreams that he has from God. And then he's in a pit, and then a servant, and then he was in charge as a servant, the next glory. And then he was in prison, and then he was in charge of prison, even higher up. Well, maybe not. <laughs> then he was forgotten, and then he was in charge of Egypt. And that's, it looks like glory to glory, right? And glory to glory will not always um, look like the way that we want we want it to. Sometimes we have to go, you know, dip low to go high, and it's, it's not going to look like the way that we want it to. 
But when you look back, you'll see that God really took you from glory to glory. And just as Joseph prospered, this isn't, the circumstances may not always look like this, but glory to glory may come with prospering. But the true gold and the true glory is how we're becoming like Jesus. So it wasn't really about how he was in charge of so many different things. That wasn't the main glories. But you can see the development of who he is. So he started off as a jerk <laughs> to his brothers, right? And then he, the next glory was serving Potter for a while. And then fleeing from temptation. And then to actually caring for the people around him. And then to saving his family and then his whole land from the famine. And to forgiving his brothers. And then finally seeing, finally seeing God face to face. That's the final glory. So God will take us from glory to glory until we get to heaven. And God takes us from glory to glory, not just in circumstances, but in our character, transforming us into Christ-likeness. But yeah, as I said, maybe it's not always true, but I like to suggest that even with glory to glory in our character, that it may come with more um, responsibilities. It may come with more, I don't know, blessings. So there's this uh, pastor, his name is Bill Johnson. I'm sure you guys know of him. But what he says is, process prepares you, process prepares you for the blessings. That God takes you through the process so that your blessings, the, the blessings that he gives, it doesn't crush you. So he's just, take God's grace for us is the process. So it may feel like God's grace isn't there when we are just going through these tough times, but he's preparing us for more. And maybe we're thinking, you know, why does God even bother taking us through the process? Like, why did he give this, you know, painful thing called life? Like, why couldn't he just have made us in the full, like, fullness of glory when we're already perfect, like in heaven? And... Um, I don't have like the exact theological like answer for that, but I heard something really great. So <laughs> I was listening to a podcast. Um, I don't know if you guys know her, but her name this pastor named Jen Toledo. So she was talking about this writing piece written by her friend. So I'm going to try to like paraphrase it. And it's kind of, it might be kind of confusing, but just try to follow along. So if God knew that we were going to sin, that life was going to be hard, why did God create us in the first place? So Satan, he was an angel created by God in eternity. Pride entered and he sinned and he was instantly separated from God. So when he sinned in eternity, his punishment was instantly eternal. So God in his great love and mercy, in his great love and mercy, decided he wanted a people made in his image that couldn't be separated from him in all of eternity. So we're wondering, like, why earth? Why the cross? Like, why this process? But God created the earth inside time. He created a window of safety where we could sin and turn against God, but we could work it out. That our consequences weren't eternal. Because he made the earth in time, he created a buffer zone where he could step down to earth out of eternity and rescue us from the wages of sin, from eternal death and from eternal separation from God. He loved us so much that he created a way to deal with this issue of sin. 
but so that we have a way to enter eternity without an eternal consequence for our sin. So he created this process called life so that we can be able to enter into his family, into his kingdom through Jesus Christ. So we might wonder, like, my life sucks. Like, why? Like, why did, why did God create, you know, life? And it's because it's the best thing to actually happen to us. Because it gives us an opportunity to enter into God's kingdom for eternity. Um, the process can be tough. Life can be tough, but it can also be fun. Um, so these next, like, analogies, like, I don't know, I kind of thought of them, but they're not that great. That's <laughs> my first time, so... So, who remembers, um, like, YouTube from, like, 10 years ago? Like, where you had to, like, pause the video and then, like, wait for it to buffer for, like, five minutes for, like, a two-minute video, right? So, the process. That's the process. The waiting time. <laughs> it was not fun, right? You know, you're just sitting there waiting for your video to load. and then. But who remembers when YouTube came up with this thing where when the, thi- when the circle is going and then you press down on your arrow key, you can play Snake? <laughs> you guys know that? Yeah. Who, who didn't know about that? Oh, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so YouTube came up with that. And <laughs> process may not always you know, be this fun, but God can make it fun. Um, and it's hard to imagine process awaiting being fun. But I just don't believe that God you know, like created fun for us to not have it. And who here likes traffic? Like no one, right? Like no one likes traffic, right? But there's something I noticed about traffic. Um, I hate traffic. But there are times when I'm listening to a good podcast or like a good song, or like a good album, like the Kendrick album. <laughs> even though I'm in the slowest lane, like I don't even realize it. Um, even though like we haven't moved for like five minutes, like. I don't realize the process. I don't realize the waiting time because something made, like, made it worth it. And, you know, like, Snake is a great game and music is great, but nothing is going to make life worth it more than God. Yeah. And that's why we have to be connected um, for true purpose. And something else related to process is John Bowles says this. I don't know if you guys know John Bowles, but if God reveals too much about the end slash end goal, you won't enjoy the now. You won't enjoy the people in the now, and you won't enjoy the process. If God told you, or if he told me, my destination today, it would ruin me because I would try to prepare for it myself instead of living it in the now where God is preparing me. So a process that I'm going through right now is um, kind of like what I shared. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. I don't really know, but, but... as I was kind of sharing this with a friend I had, his name is Chuan. He's not here, but whatever. <laughs> um, I was like, he was just kind of sharing, like, about, like, what's going on in your life? Like, what are you worried about? And I was just telling him, like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Um, and as I was sharing this, like, this is what he said. And it was like, he said it in such a calm, simple way, but it, like, hit me. I was like, oh, shoot. So he said, in the Bible... Um, I mean, he's not a pastor either, so he might be wrong, but (laughs) there's really no stories or there's really no, like, things that are written where it's like there's some guy on a quest to find out what God told him to do. But it's always, the issue is always obedience. So when we're stuck, we just have to be faithful in where we're at 
And the issue isn't trying to figure out what God wants us to do, but it's, it's, it's going to be an issue of obedience when he calls us to it. So that gave me just like so much patience because I was like, oh shoot, like, I don't need to do anything. I just need to be faithful. And a perfect, um, perfect example is, is David, um, the story of David. So he's just, you know, like playing with his sheep, right? And like protecting his sheep. And what, <laughs> no, not playing with the sheep, but when wolves and like lions and bears, I don't know what kind of animals, dragons, when they come, you know, he's fighting them off with like rocks, right? And, you know, like, it's easy for him to be like, oh, like, you know, what am I going to do? Like, something awesome. I'm just throwing rocks at Adam. And, but because he did that and he was faithful with what he was doing, when God called him to be, to fight Goliath, like, he wasn't like, oh, shoot, like, like, how do I fight him or like whatever. It was just like, he just had to go and do like what he's been doing. Um, so just stay faithful with where you're at and, this is, uh, this is kind of like off topic, but if there's a war that you should be at, you have to go. So this is talking about David in his latter half of his life when he's king, and in the springtime when kings are supposed to go off to war, he's just home chilling. And if there's a war that you have to be at, you got to go. David fell into sin when he was home instead of at war. I wrote down, you have to face the crap you're supposed to, but... He wasn't supposed to be home when there was a war. He was a king. He was supposed to be out there fighting. The safest place wasn't at his house. The safest place was where he's called to be. Come on. So even though you feel like you're called into a war right now, you got to go. That's the safest place. But even if you fall because you chose to be at the wrong place at the wrong time, just understand that God's grace is even bigger that he wants connection with you more than you do, that he'll send people. So he sent Nathan, and he was like, you know, yo, David, you got to repent. And David repented, and God will send people your way. So it's not only about connection with God. That's not what life's about, but you got to stay connected to people around you too. So sometimes, you know, the process is also called like the, it's also considered like the wilderness. And um, yeah, I just want to close with this. But this is actually, so one time I was just kind of talking with my girlfriend here, Anne, and <laughs> she told me this, like, really interesting thing, and I wanted to, like, it, fit, it fits so perfectly with, like, tonight's, like, message or whatever, and so I was like, hey, I really want to share it. And then so I kept thinking about it, I was like, oh, shoot, like, I don't know how to word it. And then she actually wrote, like, a rough draft of a blog post, and then I was like, oh, I'll just read it, get some ideas, and then, like, share it, but I just ended up copy-pasting the whole blog post. (laughs) So, it's a rough draft, but it's, like, really, really great. So, this is um, Anne talking right now. So, on October 4th, I was sitting in Tuesday night prayer, praying for my pastors and spiritual leaders. I suddenly felt the need to pray for myself and to welcome the Holy Spirit to speak to me and to remind myself to be open to hearing Him speak. I had been praying earnestly for my leaders, but I suddenly was hungry and desperate, desperately longing to hear the Holy Spirit reassure me that he was with me. This is where it gets good. I suddenly received an image of the woods. Um, like that. I consistently picture God in nature, in my imagination, and feel completely embraced by him when I'm out in nature. So I continue to meditate on dancing with my father in nature and being led 
by his hand to do to all of the beautiful creation when I felt his hand to all of the beautiful creation when I felt the presence of wilderness come across my mind. Wilderness, I didn't want to hear it. Throughout the past month and a half or so, God has been teaching me about fun and adventure that God longs for his children. So I've experienced a lot of moments of wilderness in my life. And I really wanted to leave the hardships and unique experiences that come with wilderness in my past. But I quickly realized that even, even though life with God is fun, it doesn't eliminate the plausibility of wilderness or hardships. So even if you're connected to God, sometimes wilderness will come. And as I sat, sat there, not really sure what to think, I was overwhelmingly struck by God's goodness. It's always overwhelming, I guess. He spoke through my lips as I heard my prayer take turn into words that I didn't really understand. My thoughts were not my own. God being, well, God took my thoughts of wanting to push away wilderness and anything scary and said, no, it isn't. And I said again, wilderness is scary. And God replied through my own words, no, it isn't. And I just, I didn't understand. So this is God speaking to her um, in his point of view. Wilderness when taken out of the context of fear and anxiety and applied to my definitions, it isn't scary. I created this world and everything in it. When you remember that I created wilderness, it loses its power over you. The wilderness just becomes woods. The wilderness becomes nature that reminds you of me and my goodness and my sovereignty. Remember me. Remember my goodness. Focus on the goodness. Focus on me. Forget wilderness because I'm with you and it has no power over you. So that's, that's just crazy. We see process as wilderness and we think like, oh, I don't want to be like out in the wilderness. But when we see that God is the creator of this world and everything in it, it just becomes like a walk in the park. Like it, maybe it's not that easy, but that's pretty much what it is. Like you're just walking with God through the park. So I'm just going to finish off with reading Hosea chapter 2. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no, look, no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of Baals from her lips. No longer will their names be invoked. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds in the sky, and the creatures that move along the ground. Bow and sword and battle I will abolish from the land so that all may lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. And that day I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the skies, and they will respond to the earth. And the earth will respond to the grain, and new wine, and the olive oil, and they will respond to Jezreel. I will plant her for myself in the land. I will show my love to the one I called, not my loved one. I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people, and they will say, you are my God. So let's just pray. Father God, God, we just thank you for who you are. 
God, we thank you that in this life, in this process called life, sometimes it may just suck, it may be painful, it may feel like there's no purpose, but Lord God, thank you, Lord, for giving it purpose, for making dead things come to life. And God, thank you so much for just making process fun. That it doesn't have to be so painful every single time, but that with you, it can be fun, it can be light. So God, help us to stay connected with you and just understand that you're always trying to connect with us, that you're always pursuing after us no matter what, that nothing could separate us. So Lord God, just give us awareness of just who you are and where you are tonight. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www that pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.